you guys. I have something fun to share with you today because we took a clip from a full interview from the Get It All Done Club and are once again sharing these with you. I know that last time you guys loved the one that I did with my mom and this one is just as powerful. It's actually from my aunt, Marilee, who has 10 children. But the really cool thing and what we're focusing on in this interview is she has seven boys. So one has just graduated high school. She has them all the way down. I'm asking her questions that women have asked in the inner circle of the Get It All Done Club. And that is how do you cultivate relationships with teenage boys? How do you cultivate respect in your sons? How do you teach them how to respect you when they're younger? How do you spend time with your middle school boys when your younger children are taking all your time and attention? How do you build that relationship so you have relationship down the road with them? How do you teach your boys Boys not to do gross stuff. How do you talk to your sons about purity and lust and guarding their eyes? There are so many questions I ask in this episode and I just think that your heart is going to be so encouraged if you are a mother of boys at any stage in life. Once again, this isn't a full interview because the hour-long interview is only for those in the Get It All Done Club. If you choose to join us in the Get It All Done Club, it started out as a course to help you create a peacefully productive home. 2,000 women have been through that course and have created homes of rest and less stress because of little systems that they have created in their environments to do more with less work and less energy and to free up time for rest and things that they really enjoy doing. So I encourage you to join us. It is now also a community. So it's an ongoing life-giving community of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women asking questions about marriage, asking questions about a difficult child, asking questions about something in your home that just isn't flowing right, asking questions about how to navigate your time and energy because there just seems like there's so much to do in a day. I'm sharing this with you now because the Get It All Done Club is going up in price this fall. I know a lot of women save to purchase the Get It All Done Club because it is a big purchase. It's a lifetime purchase. You just purchase once and then you are in the course and the community forever. And whatever resources or interviews get added, you have access to those. So I hope you join us in the Get It All Done Club and are able to catch the full interview. But if not, enjoy this power-packed, juicy nugget interview from my Aunt Merle. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Okay, Aunt Marilee, thank you so much for taking your time to get up early in the morning and do this interview. I know you have a lot of things going on. I was really hesitant to ask you to do this. It's been on my heart for a long time. But I was like, how could I possibly ask her to add one more thing to her plate? But I really, really am grateful that you decided to get on today because you have a special angle at motherhood. And not only is that like yours personally, but also you have a lot of boys and you have teenage boys, you know, middle school, elementary boys, little boys. And that's new for me. You know, I grew up with a majority, the majority of us were girls and now we have three boys and I'm already seen with Leon at five years old, starting to get into like unknown territory for me mentally. So I'm really grateful that you jumped on today to answer some of these questions that the gals had in our inner circle of the Get It All Done Clubhouse. So before we jump into the questions, can you just introduce yourself to those who have no idea who you are? I know a lot, I know a lot of our listeners actually like love Ben Soap, so they might have a little idea, but fill us in. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Katie. This is so fun. I um, my name is Marilee Johnson, and I'm Katie's aunt. Our, your daddy and my husband are brothers. 
And uh, we live in Bend, Oregon, and we have um, Bend Soap Company. It's our company. You mentioned that. And we have 10 children. We have seven boys and three girls. And the oldest just turned 18. And the youngest is still two. Although she always seems older to me, but she's still two for another several months. (laughs) Wow, that is crazy. So Burnell's 18 now. That's a big milestone. All graduated 18. It's the first one. So kind of, kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you homeschooled him all those years too. So that's gotta be a big deal. Like even more of a big deal. I feel like when you've had such a hand in their education. Yes, we did homeschool him. You helped you helped me with a couple of courses. Do you remember you were teaching him some English and grammar and video editing? That was so great. And your sister, Kelsey, was his piano teacher. So it takes a village. We've we've found our resources to help. But yeah, it's, we did most of it in-house, of course. Yeah, that's such a big deal. Okay, so we're going to dive in here because I really do want to get to the to all of these. I really, you know, before the call, we were chatting and I'm like, I really want to hear what you have to say about <laughs> some of these. So what do you do to connect with your middle-aged children? So we talk a lot like on the podcast about that six to 12 age range, and it's obviously super important. They're formative years, but these kids are naturally more independent than our toddlers who are physically demanding. And so what are some ways that you pour into those six to 12 year old children while having the demands of the toddlers? Right. Well, when you, when you asked this question, I was like, wow, what did I do? I can't even think it just kind of like all melded together in my brain. But then I was trying to break it out. And yeah, when the kids are little, you are just kind of high maintenance. You're just kind of meeting their needs, going through the motions. I feel like you're super intentional with lots of activities and things like that. But I, and we just kind of took the kids along with us in life and whatever we were doing, they were a part of, but yeah, that six to 12 year old age, they are a lot more independent. I, I don't know. I, at that point in their life, I just started having fun with them and it was really a wonderful season in life. I think we had, I don't know when they're, when my oldest was 12, we had probably eight or nine kids at that point. So there were a lot of them. Um, let's see. Yeah. Maybe eight kids. We had six, six and under, and then they just kept going from there. But um, just outings, adventures. And then I just started expressing my own creativity along with them. Like I really wanted to make these cool videos with them. And so I dressed them up and we did this David and Goliath video where we dressed them all up in these little shepherd outfits and things like that. Or we would... um, I'd put them in these little camo suits and take them into the woods and we'd come up with some storyline and just really kind of making them experience random. We did a workout video one time where I had them come up with their workouts and then we videoed it. There were three of them in the video. So I think at that time it was just, it was outings, it was adventures, it was creative projects to do together that kind of made them express themselves. And, um, I, I asked chance, uh, I asked some of the kids their, their own response to maybe this question, like, what did they connect with me on? And chance mentioned there was a building project that we did together that he really liked that. So, you know, anything I could come up with that was fun to do with them. That's kind of where we ended up. And I love that because it is such a fun stage. Like I'm seeing, I was literally just telling Elisha this 
yesterday where I was like, I feel like Leon at five is like on the cusp of like being able to absorb so much, do so much. He's talking so much. And I'm like, it's getting so fun. And I love that element of like, instead of having them, you know, I think we could get so caught up sometimes in having our kids be like, okay, we're so busy telling them what to do and telling them how to do it and all that, that we forget to just have fun with them and be with them. And that fills our cup and it fills their cup. Absolutely. So I love that. Maybe the toddlers are a little bit more physically demanding. And then the older kids, you're like, hey, let's just hang out. Let's just have a good yeah. time. Yeah. I and I think my that. husband was really good at that too. Like he would just have all sorts of adventures with them and challenging them. Anything you could put in front of them to challenge them to become more of something or to see something else develop in them, that's that season. Yeah. Can you think of some areas that you challenged your boys in? Kind of had them take um, risks. Yeah. So physically they love to be challenged on the trampoline. So they would go from doing a backflip to trying to do the backflip off the roof to trying to do a backflip corkscrew, you know? So they were constantly doing that. We would set up obstacle course type things and they would push one another. They would really feed off one another. Um, Dwight would play these games at nighttime because, you know, family time is at night and he would play these games where they would all hide in the dark and look like a strategy of how do you find each other in the dark on the property. And so, yeah, anything that was, um, you know, video editing with Brunel, he liked that for a while. So I'd challenge him. I'd be like, Hey, why don't you create this video, get some content and create it. Um, it could be anything. And like a building project, like I mentioned, Hey, you really need a place for your hangers. I saw this really cool thing on Pinterest. I think we could make it together. What do you think? And we'll go shopping for it and build it and just stretch anything to stretch, stretch them. I love that. Uh, because just our co- kids confidence is built outside, just like our confidence is built outside of our comfort zone. And I think so often as parents, we try to keep our kids in a comfort zone as much as possible and just pat them all up and keep them there. When really that's hurting their confidence in the long run, because pushing them outside of that is where they're going to feel like, wow, I did that, you know, and feel that sense of self-esteem. Well, and a lot of times that self-esteem is what we want to kind of speak into them. Like, oh, you're good. You're strong. You're cool. You're cute. But they have to feel it and it has to resonate with them so that then they say, oh, I got this. I feel good about this. I have this skill. I'm talented here. They have to experience that for themselves instead of it just being talked into them. So, yeah, I think that was really key. That's a really good distinction there. And I will say just watching you and your boys grow up, I want to have you like, you were the fun mom that you let your boys do things physically. You let them, you know, you mentioned I'm back flipping off the roof and like your boys <laughs> do a lot of things that are outside. Like the average mom would be like, maybe you're even above average mom <laughs> would be like, there is no way on earth you're doing that. But we're a little odd, we're a little odd. You guys do have seven of them. So you have really leaned into it. And Uncle Dwight's a lot that way. Yes, he's the dad. Yes. Crazy, crazy. But you've let him allow that too. You know, you realize like that's important to him and that's important to your boys and you've let that happen. And well, I think that's a lot really cool. Of, a lot of people have asked me like, how do you handle this? How can you deal with this? And I think when you watch your children from two years old, Like I used to put little books up and stack them up on the floor and say, okay, can you jump off? And then they teach them how to like bend your knees and then push and jump. And then you stack it up higher and pretty soon they're just bouncing off everything. But they also learn their own boundaries and their own capabilities. So you don't have to push them to do things. They learn it 
and then they feel confident. And so watching my kids from young ages develop that makes them more confident. And I also have the ability to trust their judgment if they think, no, if I fall from that high, I'm going to splat like an egg. Like that's too far for me. So I know that they know their own boundaries too. Like they're going to get hurt, but when they're younger and they get hurt, it's only like a one foot fall versus like a 12 foot fall. So like even bouncing off the trampoline, their their balance is so good because they're used to it. And, you know, I think starting from young is helpful. Yeah, that makes sense. Like someone's just coming in and seeing your 12 year old do this crazy thing. They're like, oh my word, because their 12 year old would be like really uncomfortable in that situation. But you know, like your son knows his, he knows how to handle himself in that situation. Right. Yeah. That that's actually interesting for me because I've always come and be like, oh my goodness, how can I be okay with my kids doing this? But you're right. You get, you get used to whatever their comfort zone is and you could trust in that. Okay. So how did you cultivate respect? This question was specifically targeted to the younger years, five to 10, but I would also like to ask about the older years. Cause I think that that is interesting to me too. Uh, how do you balance that with being a tenderhearted and nurturing mom? That was a really good question too. This one made me stay up a lot of thinking about this one. Um, okay. I'm going to break outside the box here. I'm going to say Maybe this is not normal, but I think it's more normal than not that I think respect is naturally given at those young ages. I think from the five to 10 year old, they're still looking at you. They know you're the authority. They're still looking at you as the authority. They haven't challenged it a whole lot. If you've kind of made it through the, the one and two year old stage, you know, and you've established, okay, you don't get away with everything. We're, we're on the same team, but you're going to do what I say type thing. And and they kind of, they know that. So then during this five to 10 year old stage, I feel like it really spending time with them is the most important thing that you can do to cultivate respect. And it just plays hand in hand with what we just talked about, all these activities and these things that push them. And you're you're kind of trying to see them develop. They know you have their best interest in mind. They are, they're your little buddy. You're playing, you're exploring together. You're, you know, helping them develop. And that respect, I feel like naturally comes at that age. I think the 12 years plus is where it gets more challenging again, because they're like, oh, now I'm all that. And uh, who are you to tell me what to do? And oh, my word, this has been like the hardest thing for me to learn because I came from a family of girls and to have your 12 year old boy kind of stepping up being like, I don't know, it's kind of that's been kind of interesting they're not doing it in a bad way. It's just like the normal, the way I don't think I have rebellious children. They're just expressing their sense of, I know what I'm all about. So, but I really feel like, again, those five to 10 year old age is, um, spending time with them. I wrote down, I don't feel like I was ever an authoritarian drill sergeant trying to demand respect. And I think that demanding of respect actually shoots you in the foot, like it can really go the wrong direction. So again, it's like spending time, you, anyone who spends time with anyone that they kind of, that enjoys them, they kind of develop a bond and learn to appreciate. And that can even be a bad influence. You know, you could have someone who's spending a lot of time with your kids or something and and it's not a healthy influence, but they actually look up to the person because of the time connection. So really at that season, it's like, 
you want their heart, you want their attention because you're connected to them and they feel that. But um, the authoritarian thing can really drive them away. So I would, you know, err on the side of loving. You mentioned like being a tenderhearted nurturing mommy. You're loving and you're caring and you're showing them that you have your best interest. We had a lot of talks with our kids. We've spent a lot of time just chatting about things like, what do you think about this? Or, oh, you went here. What, what happened? Like, how did it, you know, what do you think about that? Oh, you saw so-and-so do that. What did that make you feel like? And so you're, you're hearing their thoughts. You're hearing their heart. You're hearing their struggles. You're seeing what they're seeing and you're hearing about, you know, if they feel like something is uh, concerning to them. So you're listening, you're a listening ear. And I think that's really important at that stage too. But I feel like I was more of a troop leader at that season than a, you know, drill sergeant, more of like a troop leader, like, come on, you know, follow me boys type thing. But um, I think even in the younger ages, when you're reading together, lots of hugs and snuggles. I feel like my kids have a lot of, you know, you talk about the five love languages, physical touch is very prominent in many of them. So lots of hugs and snuggles, back rubs, back scratches, head massages, all that kind of stuff. They're into that. They are. They're so sweet. They come and snuggle with me and I don't even see them that often. And I think it's so sweet. And I would say, I really look up to you because you do have really tenderhearted, sweet boys. Like they are so kind and so sweet. They love little kids. They love visiting with you on your level. Like we were just at your home and Elisha and I came away like, wow, Amberly's boys and Uncle Dwight's boys are so sweet. And it's funny because my mom had stayed there a couple nights earlier. You, you just had all of us yeah. just traveling through so <laughs> your beautiful guest room. And, uh, and she was like, doesn't Marilee have sweet boys? And I was like, yes. So anyways, I'm just really encouraged by that because they're also very macho manly men. And so you've, you've cultivated both sides of this really healthy masculinity and that their wives are going to really appreciate one day. Well, <laughs> that's so sweet to see. I'm glad you noticed that it, it is glory to God at the same time, because obviously I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, you, you do what you do. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, they're so amazing. You know, I, I can't take full credit for that. The Lord is really good. And Dwight is such a sweet daddy to them. And he really is. He's quite their leader. They all just look up to him and he spends a lot of time with them. So yeah, that's a combo of things that give the glory to God for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Dwight is a very relational guy too. Um, okay. So yeah. So kind of what I hear you saying is like in the five to 10 year old range, it's almost like the same thing with girls in that stage. It's like, you're connecting with them. You're tying those heartstrings. You're having fun activities. And that bond is strengthened by time and not authoritative parenting. If they're kind of bucking your authority as, you know, the authority structure that God's given, which is, you know, you being the one in charge, then that'd be kind of like a, maybe an eight-year-old girl would do the same thing. And you need to be like, Hey, we're gonna have a talk. Mom is in charge here, but it's not necessarily this, like, uh, I don't know this, like, Hey, I'm the man I'm in control here kind of thing coming out until a little bit later. Uh, so, okay. So let's, do you have anything that you would share for a mom with maybe those 12 to I don't know what were kind of the most difficult years. Do you still feel like you experienced that with your older teens too, or was it kind of a shorter season? 
Um, okay. Well, I think my oldest kind of hit that season early, you know, firstborn. I feel like Brunella has always been like 12 going on 16, 16 yes. going on 20. He's always been older. So I feel like I hit that with him around that 12, 10 to 12 year old mark. Um, but the other ones I've seen it kind of come at later stages. So, but really I think everyone's going to go through it. And at that point, it's more like just sitting down and having the conversations. Hey, I'm your best friend. Daddy and mama are on your team. We want the best for you. And we've talked with you about this over the years. You're going to grow up to be a godly young man. We want to see that you have fruit. We want to see that you have the blessing of the Lord. We're not trying to be mean. We're not trying to hold you back. You have so much great stuff ahead of you. Like we're on your team. We're so excited about who God made you to be. And we just have a concern in this area, or we don't feel like we can give you the freedom to just blah, do whatever, you know, you need to check in with us. You need to do, you know, have the phone conversations, ask us the questions. Is it okay if you do this? Is it okay if you do that? Hey, I want to hang out with so-and-so. Well, I'm not really comfortable with you hanging out with so-and-so on your own. Let's try a group activity. And so all these boundaries that we start putting on the kids at this season when they're ready to be like, I'm, I'm everything and I'm ready to charge the world and don't hold me back. And you're like the one holding them back. That tends to make them feel like they're controlled. And for a, for a mom and a son, the control thing doesn't happen. Well, I definitely have a more of a controlling element or I've had that where they break against that. And what we've realized is whenever they're feeling that it's just time for a conversation to remind them we're on the same page to give them the vision again for their life, to give them a vision for a healthy parent son relationship, parent child relationship, and, and just kind of help de what do you call it? De something, the situation, what do you call de-escalate, that word? Escalate maybe. Yeah. De-escalate, mm-hmm. diffuse. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, they're not like on edge and ready to like bolt out the door and rebellion is everywhere. You know, it's just, you diffuse it by getting on the same page again, reminding them of how much you love them. So lots of conversations and lots of trying to understand their point of view. So that's something my husband's really helped me with. He's like, you kind of have your point of view, but you need to hear their perspective. And so really opening up those doors of conversation be like, why do you feel like this is a good uh, decision for you? Why do you feel like this is something that is going to, you know, honor the Lord, please the Lord, please your family, get you in the right direction? Are there going to be consequences to this? Is this a concern? Instead of always being like, you know, I don't like this. This is not a good plan, you know? So lots of conversations and And yeah. Something I'm hearing you say too, because I literally, I interviewed my mom yesterday or the day before. And you're saying something that she said too, which is both you guys ask your kids a lot of questions. Like just as you're saying this to me, like you're saying a lot of questions. And that's something I picked up with my mom the other day. She was asking, you know, the uh, rhetorical questions in the interview. And I was like, okay, that's something I need to write down, you know, like ask your kids questions, like to get to the bottom of what they're thinking, what they're feeling. Like you said, like, why is, why do they think this is a good idea? I don't know. I just think that's really awesome instead of just telling them why it's a bad idea or, you know, yeah. And I think conclusions, there's a time to do both because you want to hear, but then you want to say, well, this is where I'd like you to align, or this is what scripture says, or this is how I feel like it would be honoring. And you can even give your personal preference. 
I would really appreciate it if you gave me a heads up, or I would really appreciate it if there was a conversation with your mom and dad before you just made the plans or, you know, let's, you know, just personal preferences can be expressed too. It's not like you're all about, you mentioned the, um, asking a lot of questions. I feel like when the kids are younger, that can be really detrimental. Yes. Because I've seen a lot of parents err on the side of, well, what do you want? What do you like? What, what do you feel like doing? And it's like, no, there, we're, let's just like be a part of the family. Come on, let's go have some fun. And you just sort of bring them along and you're guiding, which is not to say you can't ever ask your kids any questions, but I feel like there's this pendulum switch to asking for a lot of insight when they're young. And I feel like that can be harmful, but when they're older, I feel like that's the time to just press in and say, well, what made you do what you do and, and help them learn who they are and help them discover more of like what they're acting on. Is it their emotions? Is it their, they're too tired to even think straight, you know, like you just figure out, help them to figure out their own, you know, mode of how they operate. So I love that distinction between the, you know, the toddler years maybe, or in the teen years. And because in real popular parenting right now, it is like, no, your two-year-old has all this insight into themselves and their life. And you just need to draw out of them. It's like, well, not so much. (laughs) They just need to be told what to do and need some boundaries. And you're the parent to give them the boundaries and they can be happy within those boundaries. Like yeah, not all this depth going back in there. Like it is with an older child that's becoming an adult. Right. Right. So I love that. Um, Okay, I, one more thing on the respect thing, just because I think this is so huge. And since while it I have is. you here, is there a time where you feel like you've pulled in Uncle Dwight and been like, I'm not even handling this? Or like, have you guys navigated some things together? Or are there some seasons you just like pull out? Or do you do everything just kind of like hands on on your own? Okay, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I lean heavily on Dwight. So I don't want anybody to get the impression that I'm like, I'm parenting these boys and this is how I do it all. Dwight and I have to be very much a team. And I think here's the real thing. I was kind of a little, had a moment here where I was like, oh my word. One of the things that I've done in the past, and obviously the Lord is gracious and I we're learning through it. But when Brunel hit that age so early, um, Dwight and I had a lot of conversations and we had a lot of disagreements on how to parent a lot of differences and a lot of differences expressed in front of the kids. And a lot of just like, what, you're going to let him do that. How do you know, like all this stuff. And so we've had to learn how to parent this together, these kids together. And it hasn't been the most beautiful season. Let me just say that. But what I did write down is if I could go back and redo anything, what I would do is, you know, have more conversations with Dwight outside of the kids so that we could talk through this stuff. And sometimes you can't just have one conversation and come up with a solution. So it's taken years. And I think that's been the hard part is like, it hasn't just been like, oh, here's the problem. We got it fixed in our private behind our doors. Now we're coming out united to make this, you know, solve the problem. It's just kind of taken a lot of back and forth, but I wish I would have um, always aligned with Dwight in front of the kids. For young men who look up to their daddy, if you're the one who's standing opposite of the husband and being like, well, I think a little differently, boy, that does not go over well. Your respect drops fast. 
because they look up to Dwight so much. They look up to the daddy so much that if you're not on that same page, you just, you lose all credibility, no matter how valuable you think your opinion is and no matter how credible that, you know, information might come. So I think with boys, especially for the mom, really aligning with Dwight or not standing up against the husband in front of the kids. And, and that meant for me that a lot of times I had to be quiet because I disagreed, you know, Dwight would let them do some things. And I would just be like, that's not the coolest thing in my opinion, but I learned a little bit earlier, or I, I learned my lesson a little bit that it's better to be quiet and just let it happen. It's not going to kill them. You're not, you know, the world's not coming to an end just because I disagree with this one parenting thing, but there's more detriment if I stand up against it. So I feel like that that's really important. And, and why, and I would do a lot of conversations together with the kids. So when I, there was an issue, I think we would, at first we were just like, I would talk to them or I would talk to them. And sometimes they would come back with mixed messages. So we started having conversations together where we could all just kind of share and express and be on understanding on the same page. And then, yes, there are those seasons where, you know, they kind of start looking up to Dwight and don't really feel the need to talk to mom about every single thing. You know, like as they hit those later teenage years, they just kind of chit chat with daddy about this, that, and the other, and they kind of come to some conclusion and move on. And it's like, well, mom wasn't really involved with that one. And that's okay. Cause that'll happen too. That seems like a more natural progression for young men anyway. So I know that will happen too. And that has, but you know, in those teenage six to 12 to 14, like there's a lot of joint conversations. Yeah. And, and I know I've heard of other moms that will do this where they'll just say, you know what, if there's a problem, you know, you need to go talk to your dad about that instead of being the one to correct it. You need to go talk to your dad about that. And we've done that often too, where it's like, you know what, you know, my opinion, if you have a problem or if you need to talk about it, go talk to dad. So that happens too in those later years, because they really do need to hear you can give them information all day long, but if they're hearing it from the male of the family, it it has a different weight. So yes, with young men, I say that's true. I'm so glad you talked about all that, like the kind of more emotional things and like or differences and all that, because seeing that, hey, this could be a healthy part of growing a family. Like it's the first time that you're in that relate in that position with this age child with your spouse and how do you navigate that and it's not always smooth but it doesn't mean that you can't come out the other side with good relationship with the child and good relationship in your marriage and so just to kind of I guess anticipate maybe some of these things aren't going to be ideal and it's not going to be the perfect hey daddy and mama figured it all out and here's the plan um sometimes Boy, I I wish. Wish. yeah that sounds so ideal and it's good to like hear from you ahead of time to be like okay this is a potential thing you know like maybe I'm talking with Elisha being like hey what can I say if I disagree in the moment with you so that maybe we could pause the situation for a bit talk about it and then come out with a you know, aligned decision or something like, would that be possible? Or, you know, just like try to navigate stuff earlier, but there's going to be times when it's ideal and unideal and you just have to roll with it and make the mm -hmm. best of the situation. So 
I'm really grateful for all that. I would say too, I think there's a tendency for a woman to maybe if, if she feels over overlooked or overruled or, you know, whatever the thing is, because, you know, as the moms of the home, there's a certain authority and establishment that we kind of, we kind of run the domain, like, and then it starts to like go out of our hands and like me, the control free person. I was like, this is like flying away from me. I don't have control in this. You're making decisions without, you know, so uh, that can be a tendency. There's a tendency to just check out and just be like, okay, fine. If that's the way it's going to be, you know, like they can report to dad and I'm just out. But that doesn't work either because there's a relationship that has to remain for the lifetime. And so I know I kind of went through that season of like checking out and just being like, okay, I guess I don't have a say here. And you guys think a little bit differently than I do. I'm female, you're male. Ah, why does this have to be this way? You know, <laughs> but I, I kind of wanted to check out, but there's no fruit in that either. So then learning to just be quiet or waiting and having different conversations or seeing how it plays out or not feeling like I have to have a say in every decision. There's some things that can happen without me. So there's a balance that has to be dealt, you know, explored through all that. And not, I think not checking out is important. Yeah. You know, if that's encouraging. And that's good to hear. I will probably listen back to this a lot. <laughs> Be like, Amber really went through this. I could do it. Uh, okay. So moving on to kind of a little more lighthearted question here. How do you okay. teach a boy to not do gross things? Or do you? <laughs> that was a really funny question. I was like, oh, I guess that is a thing. So I'm going to say, do I really kind of laid a firm foundation for this in our home? He does not tolerate gross stuff. He's just kind of like, that's tacky and gross. That's no stop. So he, from the top down was like, "Eh." so the kids were never allowed to do wet willies. Like that was a total taboo. And I don't even know if my kids have ever done that. Like seriously, like they might try it once. Nobody even, I don't even think the younger kids know what that is. Cause it's just, (laughs) it's not a thing. Um, but think also there was a communication at some point it's just kind of general I guess it's so embarrassing to do those things that it was sort of really looked down on like oh that is so awful like okay and then I would do this can you see grandpa doing that like if you're gonna grow up and be a man can you see your grandpa doing that no you know like this is just so from an early stage that stuff is like non-toddle. The only thing that does happen in our home is, you know, the fart thing is definitely a, a, it happens. Everybody does it. And the little ones will still giggle. And then we'll just sort of like brush it under the table. No, that's gross. You're like, don't do that. Or say, excuse me, or go outside. But it's not like nobody makes a big deal out of it. Cause it's just not allowed. Not it's gross. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. And it's cool that you kind of established that early on in your family culture, because the family dog pile effect with a big family can really go both ways. And so if something is seen as elevated, then it just gains so much momentum. But if something's like dogpiled on in a negative way, it just gets snuffed out so fast. Oh, right. Because everybody's against it. And you don't want to be that one person standing up against the crew. So yeah. 